for me this morning. Again, just so many things just hits home with me. So many things that the Lord just wants to continue to, to speak to me that causes my flesh to die. Um, and man, death sure does hurt. But I, I got to say that it's, it's, I guess we could say it's bittersweet. And as we come, we come today again, thank you for being here. And I know we're missing a few people, but we're not going to let that stop uh, the word that needs to go forward here today. Because this is a word that I need to hear. This is a word that you need to hear. And those that are viewing us online, it's a word that you need to hear as well. Um, so with, with that being said, you know, the last, the last several weeks, this will be part six of this series. And that was never the intention of being this much into it but there was just so much that that god wanted to bring out and i know you know everybody's not had a chance uh, to hear it all um but i would encourage you if you get the opportunity to go back listen to it if you want the notes i can get you the notes um and there's so much that that i feel like that we could talk about that we could elaborate on that that we could try to bring more clarification to but the reality is, is it doesn't get any clearer than what the Holy Spirit's already spoken it. So again, with that being said, I encourage you to go back. We could sit here this morning. We could try to do a recap, but then we'll be spending too much time on trying to recap when you could take the initiative and you could go back and you could listen for yourself, uh, either those that are here or those that may be listening to us via podcast or via YouTube. But I want to continue in this series as as I've sat down this week and looked and looked and looked at it. I uh, was kind of unsure where to go, exactly what to speak, uh, and that's usually the case every week. I don't, I really just don't know the fullness until I get in there and I just spend that time with the Lord, spend time in His Word, and just allow Him to speak and to minister to me. Uh, but this week, yeah, we're going to continue, and this will be the last part of our series. Uh, on this one with fellowship with the king has uh, been been very impactful for me uh, in which I'll say every one of them has been very impactful for me man y'all are in trouble I didn't start my timer so that I just picked up another couple minutes right uh, somebody said no I guess uh, last week I said I wasn't firing nobody this week I'm still not firing nobody <laughs> but but the reality is 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 uh, we'll just go as the Lord leads me this morning but I want to finish up this series with with this subtitle forsaken fellowship and before I get too much into it you know me and dad were here last week and you know I really enjoyed having dad uh, I actually had a chance to sit down and to listen to it yesterday. I've got it all uploaded and everything last Monday. Uh, but I've, I've had a lot going on this week, so and I've not had the opportunity to sit back and listen to it. But I usually don't listen to them until Saturdays anyways uh, to kind of keep, you know, to refresh in my memory for Sunday, the Sunday that comes up. But it's also kind of my me time when I'm out there on the lawnmower cutting grass or weed eating or edging and and so it just kind of hits home for me as i sit back and i listen to it and it was such a great word that that came forward not that it was me or not that it was my dad but it was just it was the word of god and the word of god is a sure word prophecy and um so we so i just encourage you allow god's word to prophesy over your life but this week later like i said you're going to end this series in a on a topic of called forsaken fellowship forsaken fellowship so we'll be coming out of first john first john chapter two i will say i do have a lot of scripture for you today but uh but what makes that any different than any other sunday so we're going to read in first john chapter two uh, chapter two verses 24 through 29 and it says this so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning if you do, you will will remain in fellowship. If we stop and just think for a moment, a moment, a moment, uh, for a moment, uh, part two of this series was called the fellowship of remaining. The fellowship of remaining. You know, we talked about in John chapter 15, talking about the grapevine. But let me continue here. He said, and if you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. 
And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. So again, we're seeing the emphasis of a lot that we've been speaking of over, over the past couple weeks. You know, we're already seeing the fellowship of remaining. And, you know, we talked about last week a, a fellowship of revelation. We talked about truth. So, so, so here again, John is putting emphasis of, of allowing truth to be uh, remaining in your life. Verse 28, he said, Now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for all your blessings, Lord. We thank you that you've assembled us, Lord, together, Lord, not just in a home, but, Lord, in your presence. In a moment, Lord, that we can come and that we can hear your word, Lord. We can hear the love of your word. We can hear the correction of your word. Help us, Lord, that, that as we see these areas, Lord, in which that we are falling short lord not that we may be falling short but lord that we are falling short in lord that we have have failed to fulfill all that you have been speaking to us lord over our lifetimes but lord as we come lord help this word to bring that correction lord that's needed in our lives lord to propel us lord to you to propel us into fellowship with you in the fellowship that you've called us to so, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would continue to bless your word, Lord. Open our ears and our eyes, Lord, to see and to hear your word, Lord, that is spoken to us. Lord, you spoke to us and you said, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and bring us to heart of the Father today so that we may be changed into his likeness and into his image. We praise you, we glorify you, and we honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 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 so I kind of want to pose a couple questions here this morning that kind of gets the wheels turning in your, in your head. And hopefully it begins to turn these wheels in your heart because because if, if we don't allow the word of God to put us in check, then really what is going to put us in check? You see, reality is 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 that everything that we're looking at right now, everything that's happened to us is in our past, right? We can't change that. That's already taken place. Well, what is going to happen tomorrow is affected by some of the decisions that we make today. But the reality is, is that everything that we have, the brand new truck that I drive, the house that we live in, uh, the wife's new car, I say new car, it's still new to us because it still looks good. But, but the reality is, is everything that we have, everything that we possess, everything that's within our possession is going to one day pass away. And there's only one thing that's going to stand forever. And that's either going to be my relationship with God or me not having a relationship with God. And that's the only thing that's going to be the deciding factor is if I'm forever in his presence or if I'm forever outside of his presence. You know, and we're going to get a little bit into more of that today if we could. So, so, so I want to ask you the, the question as, as we go back and, and, and as maybe as we reflect a little bit. I want to read that first verse again of verse 24. And he said, so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the son and with the father. So, so, so let me ask you this question is, is how did we come to the knowledge of salvation? Now, just, just think about that for just a minute. How do we come to the knowledge of salvation? salvation is a free gift so how do we come to the point 
of realizing that we needed a savior. We needed someone that could save us from a penalty of sin. Now follow me over to John chapter 6 verses 44. And here's what John had to say. Uh, really, here's what John wrote that Jesus had to say. And here's what Jesus said in verse 44. And he said, for no one is no one. So that, le that left nobody out of the picture here. Everyone, that's me, that's you, that's those of you that may be viewing us online or listening to us via podcast, uh, you are that same one. So for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. So nobody's going to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Nobody's going to get saved just because they want to get saved. So, so before we can get saved, we must have a conviction that we've done wrong. We must have a conviction that the lifestyle that we're living is contrary to God's word. So so who is the father that draws us? I'm glad you asked that. So read with me in John, I'm sorry, in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 35. And I'm building a little foundation here, if I could. So in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think about what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31, watch this. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angels, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy in his name and he will be called the Son of God. So if we look at this, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she conceived. So here we can plainly see that the Father of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. Now me and Dad, or Dad uh, touched on this a little bit last week talking about that you know the holy spirit being the father so 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 if we begin to look at the way that jesus mentioned some things when he says our father he's talking about god but when he refers to his father he's talking about the holy spirit so as you begin to read that through scripture uh you will begin to to see that so now i want to reflect Back for just a moment, even though I know I've touched on it a little bit, I want to reflect back to 1 John chapter 2, verses 24. And it says this, so I'm going to read this again for a third time. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with me in the Son, uh, with the Son and with the Father. So what is the truth that we've learned from the beginning? What is this truth... Baby, if you could go on to that next slide and the next one. There we go. So, so what? So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. So, so what is it, it from the the beginning? If we begin to look at this, that what happens in the beginning is when we become saved, we're what we feel and know the conviction of our sins, right? We know that when we know if we've done something wrong, we know that we've been living contrary or we've been living outside of God's will. We've been living outside of his word. We've been living the way that the world lives. We're all been guilty of that, right? Amen. Those of you that are online, you can raise your hand too. But if we, if we, so, so the truth that we've learned from the beginning is that we've got to live in conviction not condemnation we can't get the two mixed up because the holy spirit will convict us the satan himself will condemn you he, he will condemn you about wrong things the holy spirit is trying to lead you to christ and condemnation will lead you away from christ so read with me in john chapter 14 verse 17 
He said, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So if we get go ahead and go to our next slide, John 16, verses 5 through 9, he said, But now I am going away to the one who sent me. You notice how he, he, he put the difference there, not, not to the one who brought me here, but the one who sent me. And his reference was in to God himself. So, so now I'm going away to the one who sent me and not to the one, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you receive, you grieve because of what I've told you. Verse seven, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you and he will come and he will do what? He will convict the world of its sins and of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe him. So as we can see here, the very first obligation, the very first thing that the Holy Spirit's going to do is bring conviction to you. So, so, so as we read in the scripture earlier, no man comes to the Father unless my no man comes to me unless my Father draws him. So, so, so when he draws you, then what's he doing? He's bringing conviction. Now, and since Jesus spoke about this being the very first thing, so if this is the first thing, this is the primary thing that he's doing this is his one of his primary functions now don't get me wrong all of these other things that the holy spirit does is very important but the very first thing so in the beginning in the beginning so if you think back if, if we think back to the beginning of our conversation uh remaining in the truth of conviction so as as i'll just read this out to you again so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning so the very thing that we've got to remember to remain in fellowship is to remain in conviction to allow the holy spirit to continue to say hey you shouldn't be doing that hey we've talked about this already hey jesus paid such a high price for you why are you continuing to do this you know i got a chance to speak to some gentlemen on thursday night and i asked a question and it kind of really didn't go over the way uh, that i kind of saw in my mind that it was going to go over uh, and some of them got it because you could see the light bulb go off and then some of them were like what are you talking about but but that's just the reality is because everybody's not going to receive this revelation but this revelation or this word that was spoken is how can we continue to entertain ourselves with the very things that put jesus on the cross why are we entertaining ourselves with that? If, if we know that the Holy Spirit's convicting us and bringing us away from it, why do we continue to entertain it? Why do we continue to entertain it? And, 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 and there could be a lot of answers to that equation, but the reality is, is that we really lack a fear for God. We really lack an honor for God. We really lack an awe. We don't venerate him. We, we don't esteem him above our necessities. See, because we begin to, it's more important about what I want. It's more important about my desire instead of what you want, God. Because I, I get it. Don't get me wrong. It's hard sometimes. It, it becomes difficult at times to praise somebody that you can't see. But the reality is, is God is so visible. God is so visible. When we read in the book of Romans, uh, uh Paul spoke to the to the church and you know said because of this and because of this and because of this you are now without excuse you know God is so visible in everything that we do but we've allowed so many things to cloud over him that there's been a veil that's kind of separated us from seeing but the reality is, is if we continue to push into God if we continue to push into God we're going to see him because God is faithful God is faithful so so this is the beginning that we were talking about so 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 i'm gonna read a little bit from my notes if i could so this is the truth that we have known from the beginning of our conversion is conviction because no man comes to the father unless the spirit draws him so again john john placed emphasis on us to remain in conviction to remain in communion with the holy spirit 
So remaining in the truth of conviction keeps us in fellowship with the King. So what happens when we fail or neglect what we have learned from the beginning? What happens? What happens when we forget to see that? What happens if we begin to forget when, because when you've married for so long, it's kind of like you forget when you first started seeing each other. You forgot how, how grandpa used to court you a little bit, how grandpa used to, how used to do this and, and how me and Becky might have used to do this and we used to do that. But we became so comfortable in our relationship that we've gotten away from some of these things that we did at the beginning. And I'm not saying that we don't grow up and don't move past that. So that's not what I'm saying. But it's just the reality that, that we, you know, when I neglect to show her how much I love her, if I neglect to tell her I love her, if she neglects to say, hey, I thank you for all that you do. If I neglect to say, hey, I thank you for all your work that you put into not just this family, but helping me in this ministry as well. Excuse me. So, so what happens when we fail to see that? Then we begin to fall apart. We begin to see two different things here. And, and that's exactly one of the things that Satan wants to do here. So, so with that being said, we then get the opposite of remaining in fellowship, and that is called forsaking fellowship. Because we've been guilty of this. How many of us have, have grown away from our partners at times? You know, there's times, okay, well, we're not on the same page. We don't have, we don't have fellowship because fellowship is what? It's mutual movement. It's moving hand to hand together at the same time, having the same task at mind, having the same intents in your mind, intentions in your mind and in your heart. And when you're not on the same page, then you're walking away from each other. And when we all are guilty in that, any of us that's been married for any length of time knows that that, that, uh, that that does happen, not to be discouraging about that by no means. So, so when we neglect, when we neglect that, then we begin to experience a forsaken fellowship. As we made known in part one of this series that fellowship means to have mutual movement. So as we look at the first word of our subtitle, we have the word forsaken. The Greek word is, oh, I hope I don't butcher this one too bad, but I'm going to try it. Encatelipio. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I hit the pronunciation button, but this was yesterday, 24 hours ago. But it means to desert, abandon, and leave behind. As we combine the two words together, we get forsaken fellowship. That means an abandoned or deserted or to desert our mutual movement or our walk with God. So, so in Catalipio. So, so when we've forsaken something, we abandon it. We abandon it. We desert it. We leave it there. And when, when we combine that with fellowship, that means that we have forsaken our mutual movement with God. And again, we can all raise both hands because we're guilty of that. If we're not pressing forward to God, usually what happens when, when if we've ever seen a boat going down the water before? So what happens when they turn the engine off? Let's just let's do, do one even better. Let's, we've all drive cars. Some of us can drive and some of us can drive better. Hmm. <laughs> but if you get going down the road and you put it in neutral or if you just turn your car off, well, what happens? Eventually you're gonna stop, right? But if, but if you're, let's just say you're doing that and you're going uphill. So what happens when you get to the stop motion? You're going to start to roll backwards. So let's just think about it in the same way with the boat, that if we're going upstream and you turn the engine off and eventually when you stop and you're going this way, but the river's flowing this way, what are you going to start doing? You're going to start going the opposite direction in which that you were going and seeing since God is calling us to higher, since God is calling us to more, and when we begin to forsaken what he's called us to, then we are then in a position of, of moving away from him. Y'all follow me on that one. Okay. Good deal. Amen. So if we begin to think about this as people, 
uh, excuse me, if we begin to think about this as people or loved ones that we have forsaken in times past, in most cases it's due to a change of heart. When we begin to think about people when we're not on the same page with them, okay, well, we don't fellowship with them no more. Well, what you mean you hadn't talked to nobody in such and such amount of time? Well, more than likely, you don't have anything in common no more. You're on two different pages. You know, we've all had friends or even friends in school, friends in times past, maybe even friends from five years ago that it's not, we really don't associate no more. Why is that? Because you don't have the same thing in mind no more. You don't have the same thing in common. And people that are business partners, they continue to stay together because they have the same intent at heart is that they're trying to build a business, that they're trying to move forward. And when two different owners get on two different pages, then most likely they split, right? We've seen this in churches that a pastor and an associate pastor begin to get on different pages and what happens? They split, and we witnessed that. And I'm just going to be real honest with you. God's not in that when there's a division. If God's placed a pastor there, and if your vision doesn't line up with your pastor, then you're not supposed to be part of that. But to be part of that, and we're going to get into that later part of this year, is I'm going to be casting the vision that God's given me for this ministry because what I want is I want y'all to be on the same page. And those that are viewing us online, I want y'all to be on the same page with what God is wanting to do here through this ministry so so uh so those two individuals are no longer on the same page their thought process is different i'm just reading you here from my notes if i could their goals are opposite they no longer have the same heart their feelings have changed well paul paul made this very topic like this he made this very clear in the book of second thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 read along with me and he said, now, dear brothers and sisters, so stop. Who's he talking to? Us. Us. He's talking to us Christians. When he says brothers and sisters, he didn't say dear sinners, right? He said dear brothers and sisters. So he's speaking to us that identify as Christians. Let me continue here. He said, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that, that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Verse 3. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come unless there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. So, the, so, so some translations place this word right here, rebellion, as the apostasy. The apostasy, or, or, or even called the great falling away the great falling away so so paul made it clear to us is that jesus is not going to come back until there is a great rebellion so to greatly rebel to or the great falling away means what if he was talking to brother brothers and sisters then what is he's in reference to is that there's going to be a lot of people that's going to walk away from the faith i'm talking about people that has been sold out to God. Uh, we're already seeing that happen in so many churches. And I don't even watch the news and I'm hearing about it. That churches are shutting down and that pastors are walking away and that pastors are getting busted doing this and doing that. This isn't anything new that's happened. But but I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit further in this to if I could uh reiterate on some of this if I could. So Matthew chapter 24 verses 9 through 11. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe I should have changed them to red. But the reality is, is if you read your Bible, these words right here will be in red. So uh, Matthew 24, 9 through 13, it said, then, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. Now Jesus is talking about what's going to happen before he comes or what's going to happen during the process of his returning here. Uh, and he said, you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Verse 10, and many... Let's stop. What does many mean? A lot. A lot. Most. The majority. When you think, well, what's, what's, the, what's the majority of 100%? 51%. And I'm not saying that 51%. Here's what I'm saying. Is that there's going to be more 
than more than half there's going to be more than half jesus spoke this a lot even in matthew 24 it said that two two will be in the field working one to be taken one to be left the reality is is jesus always spoke a lot about half half so 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 if, if jesus made an emphasis on that then why can we not put emphasis on that in verse 10 we continue says and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other and this is what he's saying is going to happen right before his coming back verse 11 and many false prophets will appear and deceive the many so the many that thinks that they're saved the many that that, that thinks that they're following after god many of those are going to be portrayed or, or going to be deceived by false prophets well what is a false prophet it's someone who teaches false doctrine because back in these days, they didn't have what they called pastors. They didn't have what they called ministers and what they, what they called preachers. They were called prophets. And this translation is one who hears from God or one who speaks from God. And if Jesus referred to them as being false, and it's that they're falsely teaching something that they didn't hear from God. And, and that this is what's going to happen. And in verse 12, and it said, sin will be rampant everywhere. Notice this next part. And the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. How many of us remember when we first got saved? Nobody? Okay. I'm going to pray for y'all today to get saved then. Nobody raised their hand. I'm just looking for a little participation here. Uh, maybe those that are online, maybe maybe you raised your hand. But but the reality is is when when we first got saved, when we first gave our hearts to God, when we first said, Lord, Lord, I am truly sorry of my sin. I'm really sorry that I've neglected you. I'm sorry, Lord. I feel that conviction. I feel you convicting me. And we had a fire burning in us. And we wanted to know more about God. We wanted to feel more of His presence. We wanted to be around like-minded people. So what happens is we were on fire. 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 Man, I'm not, I'm not getting no help here today. I need, a, I need, I need, I need, I need some of y'all online. I need some of y'all in our congregation here today. I'm needing a little help. Maybe y'all just tired. Maybe y'all just listening very good. I don't know. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to draw you out of that into what the Lord's speaking here. But the love of many will grow cold. So, so usually after you've lit a fire and after it's burned outside, after about a day or so, what happens to it? It grows cold. It's no longer on fire. And usually for a fire to go out, it means what? That means you quit feeding it. You've sat outside with me many times burning fire. You've seen fire burn many times. When you quit feeding that fire, it goes out and it grows cold. And this is exactly what Jesus was putting emphasis on, is that sin will be so rampant that the love of many is going to wax cold because they're going to be overtaken by what? Sin. They're going to be overtaken by sin because they're going to give in to sin. And they're being deceived by false prophets. They're being deceived by false teachings. And, 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 and so all I'm doing here is, is all I'm doing is just really reading the Bible to you right here. This is not an interpretation. I'm just reading you what Jesus said. And so I don't understand how what Jesus said could, could become so misconstrued and misunderstood that that I'm fine and I can do whatever I want to do but Jesus made it very plain he even said it in Matthew chapter 7 this is a free one here for you today Matthew chapter 7 he said for many will say to me in that day again we got the word many what does that mean the majority a lot the most of them He's going to say, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not cast out devils in your name? That means I'm, I was working, Lord. I was, I was working for you. I proclaimed this. I proclaimed that. And then here's what he's going to say. He's going to say, depart from me because I never knew you. You that practice lawlessness or you that practice iniquity or you that makes your work sinful. 
Jew that, that continued to practice habitually sinning. I mean, John speaks about this in, in chapter 3 it is. You know, about practicing sin and, and walking away from the practice of sin. Uh, I, I just want to be real here with you this morning. So what I want to do now is I want to roll into a statistic. And before we throw the chart up there, I, I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to this. I had a chance to speak with an older couple yesterday and just kind of because I was at a wedding yesterday. And um, so, I, of course, me, I'm going to be able to talk to anybody because that Lord just given me that ability that I will always talk about him. I'm not ashamed of him. You know, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. So if we look at statistics, we will find that in 1972, this was before I was born, but this was after mom was born. Man, y'all are Y'all are a tough crowd this morning. It's okay. But if we look at the, the statistics, we will find that in 1972, and I'll just be honest with you, I'm not going to tell you my age, but this was five years before I was born. We will find that Americans' population was 204 million people. And 90% of those 204 million people proclaim their religion to be Christianity. And right now, in 2023, we have a population of 334 million people. And of these individuals, 63% proclaim their religion to be Christianity. So if we had 204 million people 50 years ago, and if we got 334 million people now, and we've got less people following God, we're seeing a chart that's starting to look, maybe to y'all, you're seeing it looking like this. You start high and you're going low, right? And But see, the reality is that the, you know, this means that America's population has increased by 64%, but the proclamation of Christianity has decreased by 27%. So, baby, if you'll get ahead and throw my chart up there on, on the board, I think it's part of it. So, here we are in 1972, and 90% of the population proclaimed Christianity. And here we are. Now, now this chart stops. I, th I think this poll was done last year, September of last year. And this has been a continuous chart that they've been following. But 63% of the people have proclaimed Christianity. Now, we've got two different lines here. So that means we've got two different, two different identities taking a poll. And one of them didn't start taking a poll until 2007. But the reality is, is their numbers is right along the same thing. So another thing that I want to get to you was in 1972, 5% of America, so 5% of 204 million people proclaimed um, religiously unaffiliated. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? They're either atheists, they're agnostic, or they just simply don't believe. Not, not that they're another religion, because another religion across America has not really increased. We went from 5 to 7%. So, so there's not been an increase. So in other words, that other religions has not had an impact in Americans' lives. And I know that this, this, this could go across the world, but I didn't study enough to go into the depths of what the world was because that's a lot of people and that's a lot of numbers and I, I just didn't go into that. But to see us on a decline tells, here's, here's what this tells me, is that the word is being fulfilled. Paul spoke about, didn't he say in 2 Thessalonians, he said that, that before Jesus comes back, there'll be the apostasy, there'll be the great falling away. What are we seeing happen? What is the trend that we, even though our population is growing every year, but this is on the decline. And they, and they propose that by 2050, if the Lord comes back, that we'll be well under 50%. 
will be well under 50%. So what we're seeing here is we're seeing scripture being fulfilled. Now, if I can be real honest with you, and I don't have these statistics for you, but I began to read into another one and looked at Barna. Now, Barna is a Christian study group, and they've been doing studies for a long time. And when I got into to their stuff and looked at it, it said that one out of every four proclaiming Christians are actually practicing Christians. One in every four people. So there's four of us here, but only one of us really practices our Christianity. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm not saying that here, but I'm just, I just wanted to show you the number. Okay, so 25 out of every 100 people, 250 people out of every 1,000 are, excuse me, are really followers of Christ. That means they read their Bible every day, they pray, they witness to people. So, so, so that's what people have considered themselves to either be practicing or non-practicing and, and of these people that even proclaim Christianity might go to church once a year they proclaim that they were that they were uh, uh, I don't want to point their fingers but some people say I'm Catholic but I'm non-practicing Catholic and, and I'm not pointing a finger or saying anything against uh, Catholicism but what I'm just saying is some people will, will let it be known that I'm non-practicing or you know I'm a Christian but you know I, I, I don't go to church and I'm not saying that it's, that you have to go to church. That's not what I'm saying. It, but the reality is what I'm saying is that people are not putting their faith into practice. So when we're not putting our faith into practice, we, 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 we really have that position of becoming forsaken our fellowship with God. And I'm not saying, again, I don't want to put the emphasis is that we've got to be in church for, for, uh, for, for us to not be having forsaken fellowship. But what I want to say here is, is that it's just it's very important that we come together with like-minded people. So, so, so now we must question the why. why. Why is this number on the decline? Why? Well, yeah, we know it was prophesied. We know that it was spoken. We know that Paul said that this was going to happen. We know that Jesus even said that this was going to happen. So go with me to 2 Timothy verses through, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Let's highlight on some stuff. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely furious and difficult for the people of God. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with their money. Aren't we seeing that already now? Don't mess with my money. You didn't give me back my exact change. Now let's just be real honest with you. I know we work hard for our money, but you know what? If we're if we're scared to let go of it, how are God going to give us more? It's like people that don't want to pay their tithe or are scared to pay their tithe or, or, or scared to make that commitment. Then if you only give me so much seed, well, I can only allow so much to grow in your life i can only so allow so much to take place but when we're a cheerful cheerful giver giver and and walk in obedience to that the more seed that you sow the bigger the harvest is going to be so that's why i tell people i can't afford not to tithe i can't afford not to give god what already belongs to him to start with verse two again we'll read this again people will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money they will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. Are, are we seeing this taking place now? I mean, Kaylee, you're, you're younger and, and, and I know you've grown up into a lot of this. But as you're getting older, you may even see how some of your friends may have turned out to be or who they may have become on Facebook because uh, I know you don't hang out with a lot of people. You're married now, so you don't have a lot of friends. You're about like mom and daddy and grandma over here. That was a good one. I did get some smiles on that one. <laughs> but you know what? I'll be your friend. I'll be your friend. But let's continue here. And again, I'll read this again for, for, for the sake of keeping up. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. Wow. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. I want y'all to pay attention to all these things that Paul was talking to Timothy 
and we see these things taking place and and the longer i'm alive the more i'm seeing this take place verse three they will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander slaves to their own desires they will be ferocious belligerent haters of what is good and right with brutal treachery they will act without restraint bigoted and wrapped in the clouds of their conceit they will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of loving god let's stop i know we got a few more. i know we got one more verse. let me i'll finish reading they may pretend to have a respect for god but in reality they want nothing to do with god's power stay away from people like these you know and and in some of our translations that we remember is it uh kaylee might not but uh mom i'm sure you do and becky you do and it says that they will have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof denying the very thing that could cause them to be different but yet they have a form of this so here's the reality of where i'm going to get because paul spoke about the apostasy the great falling away baby go back up one to that chart again that great falling away as we see this declining as we see this declining and we see uh, uh the unbeliefs increasing we're seeing you can go back we're, we're seeing this great falling away taking place before our very eyes and this is this is the very reason why this number on these charts is on the decline this is why we're seeing this taking place in america is because people is having this mindset you know so well pastor james you know did, didn't this just really happen in the days of paul as well you know did you know wasn't people you know that very greedy didn't they love their money you know weren't their children disobedient yeah but you know what he differentiated that between is verse number five that they would have a form of godliness see i remember growing up I remember growing up and if a sinner was a sinner, they would admit that they were a sinner. But now we live in a culture, we live in a society where people say that I'm a Christian, but I live like a sinner. Those two don't even fit in the same sentence. That is an oxymoron. How can you say that I'm a follower of Christ, but yet I still walk in my own desires? How can you say that I'm a follower of Christ, but yet I'm still being a whoremonger? How can you say that I'm a follower of Christ, but still be a drunk? How can you say that, that I'm a follower of Christ, but you still do the things that the world does? See, and so, and what happens here is we're seeing, we're, here's exactly what we're seeing take place here that Jesus said, and it said, and false prophets will arise and deceive the many. There's a false doctrine that's being preached. There's a counterfeit Jesus that's being preached across America, that's being preached all across the world. And, and you know, so Paul even made it very clear. He said, he said, if anybody preaches a different Jesus than what we've already preached to you, he said, don't receive them. So why are we receiving these false teachings? Why are we not in God's Word and finding these things for ourselves you say i i don't have i don't have you know a, a young man i say a young man but a man asked me thursday night he he said he said what's your doctrine i said my doctrine is jesus christ he said no 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 what are you affiliated with i said i'm non-denominational no 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 where do you get your teachings from i said from revelation of spending time with god I, i'm not reading a man written manual saying hey you've got to preach this and you've got to preach like that i preach exactly everything that i preach to y'all i put it up here and you see that it's in scripture and, and if we don't get in there for ourselves and get to the scripture then we become subject to be able to believe something that's not true amen amen so so i'm gonna touch on my notes here for a minute so these very things that paul mentioned here are symptoms of a root cause these people once knew fellowship with the king because they accepted him when jesus died but not willing to die themselves 
Yes, Jesus died for our sins, but we are to die to sin. Y'all follow me on that. Jesus died, and I don't have a slide for you on that one, but I want you to hear this. Jesus died for our sins. He's called us to die to sin. So, so why can't we get that in our mind? And, and, and like we spoke last week, until you have a revelation of who Jesus is, until you have a revelation of how He was, was ridiculed and how He was beaten to a pulp, when you get the revelation of what He did for us, then, then your life is going to change. Everything around you, about you, is going to change. It can't help but to. You know, I heard a reel this week. And a, a real R E E L on Facebook. I, I do watch those from time to time. And and the lady was speaking. She said, "If you can ever experience the glory of God, and if you leave the same way that you came, then all you had was a glimpse." You never really experienced it. All you did was you had a hobby because of what is a hobby? A hobby is something that you begin to do, but later you quit doing it. You can do it here and there as you please, but God has not called us to a hobby. God has called us to a fellowship. He's called us to a relationship with Him. So if any time that we can be in the presence of God and, and we can forget, and when, when we quickly forget, about his presence and how he wants to dynamically change us when we forget about that then we've really not experienced God hallelujah so again I'll say this yes Jesus died for our sins but we are to die to sins it, it was our sin that caused God to forsaken his son on the cross Jesus even asked but he received no answer in Matthew chapter 27 verse 46 read with me here and it said in about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice Eli Eli la shambakthia that is my God my God why have you forsaken me Jesus Christ was on the cross and yet he's asking his father he's asking God the father why have you forsaken me? Why do you think God turned his back on Jesus Christ? Because Jesus did not live in sin, but he was carrying our sins. And sin will separate us from God. I mean, how, how, again, how can we not see this take place and yet we're saying it's okay for us to live a sinful lifestyle, but yet God turned his back on his own son because he had my sin on him and he had your sin on him and God turned his back on him. What makes us think that we're any different, but yet he's God's son? Again, this is a one plus one equals two, but yet we're looking for another answer. We're looking to, okay, well, I want the love of God, but I still want to be able to do whatever I love to do. See, when we do whatever we want to love to do, then we've forsaken the love of God. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just preaching real good to you here this morning, and that's okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to let you know today that sin will separate you from the fellowship of God. Sin will take you further than you want to go and it will keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin is contrary and opposite of God's nature. And, and by the Holy Spirit, Paul spoke this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Follow along with me here. He said, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live in darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be in a partner, be in a be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? Uh, uh, let that just speak to you there for a minute. What union can there be between God's temple and idols? How can we serve a God but yet serve another God as well? It, it, it can't be. You're going to bow knee to one or the other. You, you can't go to two different kingdoms and bow knee to both of them because of what happens if you get caught with the other one. That's called treason, is that not? 
you've been caught into treason because you've been a betrayer of one or the other. So, so you, you've got to pick which side you're going to be on. He said in the book of Deuteronomy, he said, choose ye this day, life or death, blessings or cursings. Which one are you going to choose in the way that you live your life, the way that you live your life before people, the way that you live your life in secret is going to tell you what you've chosen. That's your choice. Let me continue on here before I get a little bit too excited. Verse 16, we'll, we'll finish up on that. He said, What union can there be between God's temple and idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God said, listen to this, I will live in them and walk with them. What does the walk mean? To be mutually movement. That means to have fellowship. God said, I will have fellowship with them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out amongst unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. How do we become unwelcome? When we begin to affiliate ourselves with the world. When we begin to touch the unclean things. Uh, again, I'm trying to get to what I don't understand, how people don't understand. Uh, you, it's not that you lose your salvation. It's just the reality is that you've forsaken your salvation. You walk away from it. If I give you a gift, it's your gift. But you know, And I'm not going to take it away from you. But guess what? You can lay it down. You can walk away from it. And that's your choice. And nobody else can make you do that. Just like nobody else can make you give your life to God. Therefore, come out amongst unbelievers and separate, separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. Listen to this. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. In closing today, I want to bring one more thing to your attention. I want to bring a, a, a synonym of the word fellowship. And when I saw this at the beginning, as I began to look up fellowship, as I began to do my study on this about six or seven or eight weeks ago, the Lord brought, the Lord, I saw a word that came to my attention. And the Lord, and I've been, I've been eager about this part about getting to this. But a synonym for the word fellowship is Amity. Amity. A-M-I-T-Y. And amity means friendship, peaceful harmony, mutual understanding. And again, I just, I don't make these things up, but when God gave me a definition of fellowship of being mutual movement, this means that you're in mutual understanding. So mutual understanding, mutual movement it's fellowship. It's that fellowship as we've defined fellowship. So, so now that we can see that this word is similar to fellowship, but sometimes it's better to understand a word by looking at its counterpart. So the antonym for amity is enmity. And if we dive into scripture, I, I, want, I want us to see what God has to say to this reference. Turn with me to John chapter 4 verses 4. Here was James, the half-brother of Jesus, speaking to the 12 churches. It, we just happened to be part of the churches as well. He said, you adulterers, you adulterous people, exclamation point. Do you not know that friendship, friendship, amity, amity, friendship, fellowship, we we'll get back to that word fellowship. Do you not know that friendship or fellowship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So our next slide says this. Enmity means hatred, to feud your enemy, to be at war with, disagreement, futile, hostile, and animosity. Now all of these are the exact opposite of what fellowship is. These are all the opposite of walking hand in hand. When you read in the book of Amos, it says, how can two walk unless they agree? How can two fellowship, I've been waiting to get that one out too, is how can two walk 
unless they agree. If we're not on the same page, if I'm walking this way and Kaylee, you're walking this way, are we walking together? We're walking in opposite directions. So we can't walk in agreement if we're not walking in the same way. And James was very blunt under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to speak this, is that if you want to be friends with the world, if you want to have mutual movement with the world, if you want to have fellowship with the world, you are an enemy of God. You are feuding with God. You have animosity with God. You are at war with God. So when we are not on the same page with God, we are at jeopardy of having forsaken fellowship. And we're almost done here, ladies and gentlemen. And our flesh is drawn to the ways of this world. And Paul described them in Galatians chapter 5. Here's, here's some of the, the symptoms of enmity with God. Verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. That means the fruit, the fruit of your flesh is very evident. And, and it's not that it just starts here, but this is a list. Sexual immorality. We're grown. We know what that means. Impurity. Sensuality. Idolatry. Sorcery. Enmity. Strife. Jealousy. Fits of anger. Rivalries. Dissensions. Divisions. Envy. Drunkenness. Orgies. And things like these. So he didn't even stop there. He said it continues with things that are just like these, these very things that are opposite of God, these are the things that make you an enemy with God because it's your flesh that is manifesting itself. And we continue on here. And he said in verse 21, the second part, he said, And I warn you, I warn you, ladies and gentlemen, I warn you today, those that are sitting here, those that are viewing us online, I warn you with these things. As I have warned you before, that those who does do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So as Paul spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how could we not walk away from salvation? How could we not walk away from fellowship with God? Because he spoke, he said that we would not inherit the kingdom of God if these things are apparent in our life, if these are evident in our life. But I got good news for you. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Such things, there is no law. So the heart of God is so evident that how could we abandon what that we have been destined? I'm sorry, let me start that over. So the heart of God is so evident that how could we abandon what we have been destined, what God has called us to do? We, have, we were created in His likeness and His image, and this likeness and image that Adam and Eve saw in the garden was the fellowship of the Trinity. Here, is, here it is just simple, just right here. Last set of scriptures, Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Then the, God, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden. And then it continues on. But here's what I want to point out. So translated, we have God was having fellowship by spoken word through the Spirit. So when we go back to this, they heard the sound of the Lord walking. Walking means fellowship. Walking means fellowship. In the garden, in the cool of the day. The cool of the day is translated by the Spirit. So what was He doing? He was communicating. He was communicating words. And what is the word in the beginning was the word. Word was God, the Word was with God. So, so that's exactly what we have is that God was having fellowship by spoken word through the Spirit of God. So as fellow Christian, as a fellow Christian friend, minister, and as your pastor, I challenge you to take a deeper inventory of your fellowship with God. And that's where each one of us has to come into play with that. Let me pray for you today, ladies and gentlemen. 
Dear Lord, we thank You today, Lord. We thank You, Lord, for this Word. We, we thank You, Lord, for so much, Lord, that You have placed, Lord, here at our feet today. Lord, the emphasis that You've brought, that you've brought to us, Lord, is that we can forsaken what You have desired. We can forsaken, Lord, what You've created us for. Lord, and it is a choice. As, Lord, as we not just preach and teach sanctification here today, Lord, but we preach and we speak, Lord, Your Word. We, we speak holiness, Lord. We, we, we speak life into us. We speak Your Word, and Your Word is life. As we've read there in the book of Proverbs, Lord, that it is health and it is life to all of those that find Him. Lord, help us today, Lord, to find Your Word, to let Your Word sink deep into us, Lord. Lord, that we would... Uh, uh, move forward into what you've called us to Lord if we have forsaken and as we have forsaken you Lord continue to draw us as we read back in first John first uh, John chapter 2 I believe it was it says that uh, as you have learned from the beginning the uh, Lord and we've learned Lord the very thing that we've learned from the very beginning Lord is to be drawn to be convicted of walking away from you see your conviction keeps us drawn to you you said that if you would draw close to me i would draw close to you lord it is your love that has drawn us to you lord but it is our fear of you it's our honor of you it's our awe of you lord that keeps us drawn to you that's what keeps me thirsty that's what keeps me hungry lord and it's those that don't that just sit at the table lord that's going to be filled but it's those that keep eating are the ones that are filled lord today Lord, I thank you for this series. I thank you, Lord, for how it's been a light to me. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you've spoken, Lord, through this word. Lord, as we part ways, Lord, here today, I pray, Lord, please go with us, Lord. Keep us drawn to you. Keep us in remembrance, Lord, of what took place at the very beginning of our, our conversion to you. Lord, we thank you. We praise, Lord. I bless, Lord, those that are online. Lord, be with them. Keep them safe, Lord. Keep them drawn as well. And we bless your name and we glorify you in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. Amen and amen.